three, four. The common counterpart. And welcome back to the common counterpart. I'm Josh. And I'm Mark. And this is episode 33. Trey, okay. Trey. Give me a dumb, give me something dumb. I can't. I love the number 33 because when you turn it backwards, it's still a 33. Nothing? You know, you don't think that your words are going to cut me the way they do, but they, they, they do. Hit you deep. <laughs> I just uh, don't want to start a tradition that just ends up happening for the next nine years. Yeah, 33. It's you fine. Know, nope, nope. Hmm? We leave it at that. If you flip the... Nope. F- <laughs> 33. And we're done. Oh, How you been, man? I'm doing good. I don't know why your comments cut deep. I think it's... Your undying love and affection for me? Uh, I, I think... As the prodigal son comes yeah. back and slaps his dad? <laughs> part of me, I think there's a part of me that wants to be a little bit more like you, but I don't want to work that hard. Nor could you accomplish the task. Uh, okay. <laughs> so okay. we'll leave it at that. Wow, you're uh, spicy. I'm a little yeah. spicy today. Yeah, but you have a good week? It's been a week, baby. Uh, yeah, things are good, man. Yeah. It's been nice. Okay. I don't know. Holiday's coming. Yeah. The jolly version of me should be here soon. When? I don't know. I think it's uh, stuck in the Long Beach Harbor. Okay. But I'm bum. Supply chain joke? No? Too soon? Check, too late? Check out our podcast on uh, choke point <laughs> points. Hey, uh... You know that I, I struggle with Christmas sometimes. I do. So I uh, I did something a couple weeks ago. Uh, Thanksgiving break started, and I bounced out of bed Saturday morning, got my coffee. I put on my snarky Christmas shirt and told the wife, I am yours all weekend. Oh, easy. It's a PG podcast. So I spent 12 hours taking stuff down. Uh, again, this is before Thanksgiving, because there are some people who don't believe Christmas decorations should go up. Right. But, but I... Oh, I, you did this before Thanksgiving. Uh, before Thanksgiving, yes. And so uh, I, I took the stuff out of the rafters. It's a lot. By the way, there are muscles you have to use to pull things out of the rafters on top of a ladder at 47 years old that I don't remember having those muscles. Is there anything more outdated in the term rafters? Oh, I'm sorry, uh, young progressive buck. What do we call the rafters now? You don't have rafters anymore, and you don't put stuff up there. You what? put them on shelves, on your garage floor. Okay, I'm maximizing space. Dude, rafters just... Uh, every, when I hear rafters, when uh-huh. I hear rafters, when I hear attic, when I hear anything like that, I just imagine Christmas vacation <laughs> and him just up there with just the most random things. Now, I wish that attics rafters were more accessible it makes more sense i mean it sounds like something we should be better at by now accessible no they're not because i do keep some things in my attic and now it takes four hours to get up there because i gotta get the big ladder i gotta bring it into the laundry room i gotta take the thing off i I gotta shimmy my way up there as if i'm reverse santa clausing this whole thing we can okay first of all you've interrupted my story so i'm just gonna let you know i can come to your house we can install an attic ladder and give you access to said attic that you don't want. But apparently you do. I don't because there's about four square feet up there. And everything else is just insulation. Well, uh... Now, you, they should build these out when you buy them. Yes. Let's... 
That would be, yes. This is a scam. Now, the old school way was the exposed garages. Mine is enclosed and painted. So I'm assuming when you say rafters, I'm assuming you're talking about exposed beams up top that have like your skis from like 1972 up there you know i don't ski 19 i wasn't even alive uh, but you inherited that that's what you put in your rafters you guys don't understand what i deal with um anyways back to my story uh got all the stuff down uh full-on christmas vacation you know checked every light bulb stapled them i'm climbing up on a ladder your neighbors hate you for doing this so early a couple people came by and said that snarkiness um went Finally wrapped it up like at 8 o'clock. Every, everything I was responsible for is out in the yard. The wife did everything inside except for the tree. Um, and then I forgot what comes down must go back up. And so I had to put all those empty containers and, and other things back up into the rafters. My shins hurt so bad. Well, last episode, we talked about your minimalism. <laughs> How much do you hate pulling all of those things out? I love making the family happy. More than your own happiness. More than my own happiness. And that's why I made the effort to put on my snarky Christmas shirt. It is better just to do it one and done, right? That, like you yes. Just, you just you give up the day, mm-hmm. and then you're done. And, and she did the inside, I did the outside. Uh, I just forgot to save... Five percent of my energy and patience to put the stuff back in the rafters, but it's done. Everyone's happy. It's going to be up for the next month or so, and then we're going to take it all down. I don't understand it. I know you're I, the inflatable guy. I don't understand any of it. You Why do. can't it just be Christmas? So, I think, Why do you need the stuff? I think that might be more. Well, I don't want to get canceled here, but that might be more of a male husband dad i don't think so well let me ask you about well i sent you a picture of a beautiful christmas unicorn uh that i wanted to send to your daughters don't want it no they want it you don't want it i don't think i don't need to be reminded that christmas is december 25th got it I know when it is. Yeah. I know when Thanksgiving is. Uh I know when Halloween is. I know when Valentine's Day is. I don't need things around my house to remind me what's coming up. No, but you do like your things around your house to to show people. Those are permanent. (laughs) I don't like temporary things. I just can't get behind the decoration thing. I thought you'd be with me on this. You're a minimalist. I am a minimalist. I would prefer not to, but I'm also happily married to the same woman for 26 Careful, Six. she's listening. 26, she's not. She's I never know. listened. She's not. <laughs> Your wife listens, right? Yes, yeah, she does. Who's her favorite, by the way? Does she? It's pretty clear it's me. Mm-mm. I doubt it's me. Okay. Well, you know. I just don't think you need the stuff. I agree. I agree with you. If and you... it also is your just outward expression that you have lost to the marketing gods of Christmas. And it does... It, it does go well with this book that we we started kind of failed to really dig a deep no, hole. I, well i feel like we you know we, we broke ground do, okay there we go we, we broke, broke ground. ground yeah um but yeah i we we do get tricked uh the family into you know buying the next cool christmas thing and i mean do you ever like like i'll be in home depot and i like i'll pass by this just gaudy 200 hundred dollar blow up thing and mm-hmm. i'm like there ain't no way i'm paying for that and then I'm driving home, and I look at the neighbors, and I'm like, oh, got them. <laughs> and then it's right in their front yard, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's who they made that for. Yeah. Those people will clearly buy everything. Uh, well, I will say, I uh, 
you know, we put that the, our, our, our golden retriever down a couple last year, two years ago, and we've got the fuzzy white dog, Cooper. Yep. Um, I did see a Cooper-esque Christmas dog in uh, a big box store for 50 bucks, and I had to buy it. Of course. Um, I, I made that purchase. I, I liked it. I thought it was cute. The women liked it. Um, when I say women, I mean my two daughters and, and wife. And that's a win-win then. It, yeah, I won. Um, and that's what Christmas is about, me winning. Winning. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the slogan of Christmas. I'm, right. I'm winning. <laughs> yeah. But I, 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 am on, I am on board with you. Um, have you decorated then for Christmas? Uh, I have not. Okay. My wife has. Okay. And can you please tell the audience the extent of your outside Christmas decoration? Because I... <laughs> now, you're jealous. I'm not. You're jealous. Because <laughs> at night, mine looks like a nightclub and yours looks like a petting zoo. So you sound me, like Tom Haberford from me, Parks and Rec. Tell me where you want it to be. I have the, the what's it called? Starburst. Yeah, dude. <laughs> hey, I even thought about dubbing up on my Starburst this year and just blowing the neighbor's mind with just constant sniper scope lights coming in my window because that's what it feels like every right. time it's on i'm like who's trying to attack you can, me right you can now? see that in you, you see can see the beams yeah, yeah it comes to okay so i got the little the starburst the one mm-hmm. that you just plug in yeah put it in the hasn't been stolen yet uh-huh so life is good there's a reason no one's stealing it they know how valuable it is have you ever thought about playing music to it can you can you plug in and I just have it like work like the clubs? bass yeah mm, that's too far okay but you're thinking about it. I don't like I don't like Christmas songs. Okay, I do. Uh, listening to blues Christmas, not blue Christmas, but like bluesy rock Christmas. Mm. Um, Christmas, ah, pretty baby. <laughs> I I want no part of that either. I'm just saying you, you you gotta you gotta make your own fun. It would take punk rock Christmas, I think, for me. Challenge accepted. It might it might exist. <laughs> well, we're back with part two. Yeah, talking about our book. Mm-hmm. Did you start a new book yet or no? I have, and I'm having a hard time. Really? But yeah. Uh, I think the guy that told me about it missold mis- it, and I bought it. There's nothing worse. No, but, you know, I'm not a quitter. Once you start. Yeah. That way, now you can say, hey, I read a really terrible book, and right. it's going to be true. Um, it's one of the reasons I don't like to start things, because most of the time I want to quit. Yeah, that makes but sense. You, but you can't quit. Right. Um, what about you? Are you reading something else? I am. I started, um, I've been waiting for this to come out. And I'm so excited it finally, you know, when you're a, 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 a lowly folk like myself, you have to wait for your turn uh-huh. in the queue of the library uh, <laughs> to get your books. So I had to wait seven weeks for this and the Dave Grohl autobiography. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I'm okay. so excited. Love Foo Fighters. Love Dave Grohl. Yeah. He's, I don't know. I feel like that era, musicians that just lived through that portion mm-hmm. experienced so much fun before social media. Mm-hmm. And so... Have you um, seen the documentary uh, Get in the Van? No. It's about all those guys who had to earn their bones uh, uh, getting in the old van. Oh, what a uh, platform. Uh, VHS? <laughs> Idiot. What platform is it on? I don't even know. You had to watch it. No, I didn't watch it. I saw the, the headline, but it was all I mean, it was like Motley Crue. Yeah. Uh, it was on Netflix, on Amazon. Hootie and the Bullet Fish. All right. Well, yeah. cool. I'll be searching for that then. But yeah, okay. that's what I'm reading. So kind of fun. Okay. Switching it Good. up before we finish the year. Yeah. I felt like this one that we're talking about was so heavy. I needed something a yeah. little bit more um, focused. 
and and a rock and roll book is going to be more well. Focused. I mean, just one guy. I just really enjoyed the McConaughey one so much. Yeah. I try to like just carry that excitement over. I don't mm-hmm. typically do biographies, really. Oh um, yeah, but I mean, if it's people I actually like, let me let me know how the uh, Queen of the Stone Age segment goes in that book. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> you know, he was the drummer in the band Queen of the Stone Age, right? Queens of the Stone Age. What? What? Can we not? <laughs> Leave the musical references to me, and I'll leave the evolutionary biology to you. And on that note, Uh let's dive in. Let's dive in. Um, Did you have a favorite chapter? Ooh, that's hard to do. Um, It's not. There's one right answer. No, that's not true. I didn't have a favorite chapter. I had a chapter that I struggled with the most. Oh, let's start there. Okay. So one of the things that they talked about in the book quite a lot was the idea of how parenting has changed. Mm. And as a parent of young daughters, mm-hmm. um, this one was really hard for me. And again, I think that what we're doing is we know what the right answer is. Mm-hmm. We just don't want to do it. <laughs> like with unplugging, like you should have mm-hmm. a day where you just don't check your phone or right. don't check your phone after you get off work or, or whatever it is. You know what's going to be good for you. You know what's for your best interest. You know what happens on the other side. But we have all these little mini excuses as to why we can't do it. So when I got to the parenting chapter, as I'm trying to navigate parenting myself and figure out what to do, I hear their advice and what they say that they should do. And I'm like, yep, I get it. But it's just really, really difficult. Um, well, How did you feel about that chapter as having raised kids already? Well, so you understand that I had a free-range childhood. Yes. Most most of the lessons I learned as a child was what not to do. But also when you tell me stories of your childhood, I'm surprised you're still here. I am too. So that's where I also yeah. battle, trying to figure out, do you just take your chances on the free range and you hope they work out? Well, so, the, and I I actually liked the childhood parenting. I didn't hate it. I'm just right. saying this was the, the hard hardest one. one for me. So uh, I grew up uh, with, two, with two brothers and um, mom and dad just pretty much assumed if, if, you know, we, we were going to come home at some point, right? So we'd play in the fields and we'd make rope swings and we got in all sorts of trouble and things got lit on fire and bones were broken, which was probably more of a neglectful childhood. But I'll tell you what, I learned a lot. Uh, I learned climbing a tree. You know, you learn about balance and strength and confidence and risk reward and that sort of thing. I'm never going to let my daughters climb. So, I mean, I've, I've been back to some of the trees I climbed as a kid. I know they're bigger, but there's no reason a a nine-year-old boy should be 50 feet off the ground. No, and I think that's, I think that's where I struggled. So mm-hmm. one of the things that they pushed is this idea of unsupervised fun. Yes. That you should allow kids to be kids, and you should allow them to naturally govern themselves and we're not suggesting we're not saying take them to soccer practice and let them run around for an hour we're saying the authors are saying let the kids go to the park and play imaginary games and meet friends and i really like the part in the book um and this may not be popular with some people you got to let the kids solve their own problems so this is where i had an issue Oh, really? Yes. This is my biggest struggle because, number one, I'm a problem solver. And if I can step in in five seconds and fix it, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. You're also efficient efficient to a fault. Efficient to a fault. And secondly, I've watched 
them do this and I listen to them, Your especially my daughters, fight with each other and with their friends. Uh-huh. Number one, it's super cringy. Uh-huh. And number two, I'm just like, I some I clearly know who's wrong. Okay. That person may or may not get the blame that is due to them. Okay. So I want to be the justice and the keeper of peace. Yes. I have to fight with this idea that my kids are going to get into these conflict situations, mm-hmm. but they're also, in my mind, there's nothing better than someone who can solve their own conflicts. Right. So I know that this is good for them. This mm-hmm. is just sharpening of the iron. And I think you and I come from the same vantage point as dads. I really don't want to go through the pain and the trouble and the messiness of watching two people sort it out. It's so hard. And I, and I know it can lead to pain mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. And some things are not fair. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get, you know, their feelings hurt yeah. and maybe even physically hurt, you know, all of those things. But at the same time, it's it's the example that I know, hey, this will lead to a better end. Mm-hmm. You just have to be willing to go through the pain. There's no shortcut here. Right. I can't hand her a book on teenage or on conflict teenage resolution and totally think could. she's going to have it taken <laughs> care of at 14. But do you do you and when I'm when I was reading this, I I heard the authors pretty much say, "Hey Josh, uh, the way you were raised as a as a kid was more neglectful and abusive than it was helpful." My wife, who had a much healthier childhood, but she was more of a homebody. And so when we were raising our kids, um, she was telling me, slow down with the kids. Let's not be so reckless. And I'm saying they need to learn their limits. And I remember one time I was one of my daughters, um, I could see the fear starting to shape her world the way it shaped mine at one point. And so I, I tried to get her to jump to me in the pool. So she's on the on the deck, and I came up real close. I might have been like a foot away from her, right? She jumps in, and she's in the air for half a second. I catch her, and then I take a massive step backwards. And then she comes up. I said, baby, look how far you jumped. Now she's like six, so she doesn't have that depth perception. And I said, babe, this is how far you jumped. And she goes, really? I said, yeah, do it again. And, and she so, learned from that moment to never trust her dad <laughs> because her dad's a freaking liar. And this, is why, and this is why she thought she could be a long jumper when she really could not. <laughs> she was a high jumper. But I didn't, I, I saw, at one point I saw both the kids, you know, they were afraid of dogs at one point. They mm-hmm. were afraid to do certain things. And um, gosh, there's that John Haight, uh, coddling, remember that guy? Mm-hmm. Coddling he, American Mind. What was that, that therapy? Cogn- be, cognitive... Behavior. Behavioral therapy? Yeah, where pretty much you have to address the things that you're the most afraid of yeah. and get better. And this is this goes back to something they say in the book, too, about, you know, there's so many allergies now. It's because we're just taking so many different foods out of, out of our diets. Um, so even as a young parent, I started to incorporate things that my kids were afraid of. And I didn't, I didn't throw them in the pool or anything, but one of the daughters uh, got nipped by a dog. And for, for months, she was terrified of even the smallest dog. And so we decided as a family, let's get a family dog. Not to, not to terrorize the kids, but they needed to figure out that dogs aren't scary. She had one bad experience with a dog, and now we need to kind of put the whole dog thing in a, in a broader context. And as I'm reading this book, that's what they're saying. You know, let kids play. Let kids play with unstructured time. Let 
kids have pets, let kids have hobbies, and let them sort out their their place in the world. Yeah, and that I think is where like we've had issues with social media, we have issues with mainstream media, the idea that if your kids walk outside, they're going to get kidnapped, right? All of these things and trying to manage that, I do want my kids to be able to play. I wish they could just go play out front. I they cannot. Now, I I played out front with nobody watching. Will you let your kids play out in the front? No. What about with with adults? If we're out there, they can go out there. Mm -hmm. But it's it's one of those weird things of, okay, is it really every kid that plays outside by themselves get abducted? Or is it that we read about the five cases that happened this year? And so we apply it across all time forever, right? Hate did this study when he talked about the subway, when he Mm -hmm. let his kid ride the subway by by herself at like eight years old. Mm -hmm. Can't do that now. You're going to get called by CPS and and everything else. So how do we allow kids to find their own boundaries? Mm -hmm. The classic story of we just rode our bikes until the streetlights came home on and we had to be home, right? That's gone. Yeah. Did you get to do that? So we lived out in the country, so we don't have streetlights. So you better be home before the sun goes down because- Do you guys have curbs? No. No curbs. Still no curbs at my parents' house. Dirt wait, roads. Wait. You're joking. I mean, my parents live on the corner of a dirt road and a paved road. Okay. So but yeah, no curbs, no So when lights. dad's coming home, you can see the dust kicking up behind his truck. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it, it's a way different world out there. Uh-huh. Like, we didn't have neighbors that were super close by, which either makes it more safe or less safe. Maybe this is your problem. You needed neighbors. Maybe you you needed you needed to be on that block with a couple people you liked and so didn't I'm, like. I did. We we moved out of this. We moved out of the suburbs when I was seven. Okay. So I had that when I was seven. Okay. And we played the hockey in the street. You know, car and everybody moves. Does the whole Great thing. Great memories. Yeah. It, now I don't want my kids even like getting close to the edge of the sidewalks. I feel like they're gonna get hit by a car. <laughs> so it, it's it's a crazy battle. But anyway, yeah. that that chapter was the hardest for me. Okay. Um, favorite though, I loved this idea of hypernovelty, which we get to at the very end. Yeah. And it's something that these two have talked about quite a bit. And the way that they described it is, is they don't want to be characterized, like we talked about last episode, of not wanting change. They say change is good, but the rate of change itself is changing so fast that we can't keep up. Yes. And that mixed in with this idea of commercialism, of marketing, of finding ways to make you need this product, need this new way of life, need this hack Mm -hmm. is going to be the downfall of us because we're just constantly chasing that dopamine hit that's never going to get there. Mm -hmm. And we use social media as a status for the things that we have instead of the things that we hold. Right. And um, in in regards to that novelty, there's there's another component of the book that they they – uh, come back to you from time to time. And that is do not take a whole thing and reduce it down to its components. Don't, <clears throat> like for example, relationships. Don't take the physical relationship and focus on that. You need to be in a full relationship. Don't take calories out of food and just focus on calories. You need to absorb the world in its totality and don't minimize it down to well i i did seven minute abs so i've saved some time and now i can go and drink my seven dollar latte or um you you need to have a whole experience and i 
and I think that the the compartmentalizing of things one makes it easier for companies to market mm-hmm. and to to villainize, but two, especially when it comes to food, we have been and this is this is pretty big on social media within the right circles of people that are trying to destigmatize food mm-hmm. of all the diet culture and influences of people that are saying this food is bad. Yeah. No such thing as bad food. No bad food, no good food. There is food. And food in the right combinations, in the right portions, can either be helpful or harmful mm-hmm. to you. But there isn't bad and good are arbitrary titles that we give that we say, hey, ice cream's bad. Mm-hmm. Ice cream is not bad. Eating a gallon of ice cream every single day is probably not helpful to you. There you go. But we we look at things and, and this compartmentalize because it's really easy to say, oh, this portion of this is what's bad for you. You said and you you said this last with the last episode, and you talked about how the people out there, the marketers, the the capitalists, the whatever, the the politicians, the the personalities, it's all about identifying good bad, right, and then. If you're good, well, then there's good and there's gooder. Everything is always about splitting you down the middle and trying to get you to either go go against something or go towards something. And that's what this book really seemed to, to hit home every single time is marketers have now turned everything into something that has to be sold. I mean, we look at the food industry, right? The food industry is not designed to feed people. The food industry is designed to sell food. Right. I mean, Got Milk, great ad campaign. One of the best. You don't need milk. <laughs> One of the best. We drank so much milk. Right. But guess what? The only thing in milk you need is is vitamin D, and it's not even in milk at the quantity you need. Go outside and play, and that's all the vitamin D you need. I mean, we're the only animal on the planet that consumes milk after infancy. I mean, we're we're— we're either on this team or mm-hmm. you're on that. It's it's the tribalism to the extreme. Right. What we've seen, and, and this book wants wants you to take a step back of all of these things that we are told what to do, mm-hmm. and just think about why mm-hmm. you're doing them. And I think that's one of the big pieces. You know, if you're not getting enough sleep, why are you not getting enough sleep? What have we done in the past that has enabled us to get better sleep? Mm-hmm. What changes are taking place now, and how do we knock those things off? Like, I definitely know I should not be staring at my screen five minutes before I go to bed. There is ample scientific research. Do you? That says you. Sh- yeah, that says that you should not. But I also don't have a problem sleeping, so it's not really my problem. But there are a lot of people that do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. I know those things to be true. You mm-hmm. could prove them with nineteen papers. Mm-hmm. But I'm still not going to do it. Got it. So this book, there's that, there is a chapter on sleep mm-hmm. that talks about the things that you should begin to start doing. And right. It goes We're back, not doing. Right. Yeah. But it goes back to what you talked about earlier. Hey, when the sun goes down, it's time to start shutting down. Yeah. Where some people like me are like, how many things can I squeeze in before I actually have to go to bed? Like, I'd like to cross more things off my list. Got it. And, and that goes directly in opposition to what they talked about of progress isn't always progress. Right. Do, do you, f- I, I don't know if I'm a product of my environment as much as I was. And the older I get, the, the, the more old man I get. 
do you think some of these things that you're talking about is a typical characteristic of, of, of people out of your generation? I mean, is, is people in their 30s, are they all chasing progress? I mean, you know, I mean, I feel like that's when they say, you know, you're burning the candle oh, at both ends, right? The 30s. Yeah. 30s are the worst. So yeah, I feel like yeah. I, I, I do, I know that I bring it on way more than I need uh -huh. to though. And I should just let just the simple fact of me being in my 30s be enough progressive yeah. for me, but I need to do more. I just want to be, I hope we're, we're still hanging out when you hit 40 because I, I haven't met a single person who transitioned into 40 uh, smoothly. Cool. <laughs> I well, really want to be there. Well, my transition into 30s wasn't <laughs> exactly fun either, if you remember. I do. Um, hit me like a car. But um bump <laughs> Inside joke, people yeah. know me. Uh, or like a Rolling Stone. Yeah. But um bump I found, uh, I really liked what they, what they had to say about kids specifically. I loved uh, the food and the medicine. Because, you know, I lean a little bit more towards the science. And they're talking about how in, in, in medicine, there was a, a season when doctors would just cut things out of you because they didn't know what they did. Now, you can live without your appendix. Um, you can live without a spleen. You can live without your tonsils. Um, but we're starting to realize that later on, there's going to be a trade-off. And they keep coming back to this cost-benefit analysis. Right? Do we... It's a huge part for the second half of the book. Mm -hmm. And I think going along with that, the thing that they say is don't scoff at the things that we thought were really stupid 100 years ago. Because wait till what they say what we thought. Mm -hmm. I mean, that idea of taking out all of the things that we didn't know what the body did, that was a legitimate thing that doctors were thinking about doing right. and trying to do. We look at back at that now thinking, how stupid? Why would you want to take out all of those things? So in the moment, it's trying to figure out the progress that we've made and not constantly trying to figure out, well, in hindsight, we thought that mm -hmm. was stupid too. So, But then in, in another part of this book, they talk about how um, this, this allergy, these autoimmune things. And I would love to do a, uh, an episode on this, but just how, how sickly the food in America is. I mean, the, the gluten allergies and the nut allergies and the honey allergies and the, 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 the kids who are allergic to red dye and all these sorts of things. And so good parents who don't want to screw up they pull all these things out of a, a young kid's diet. And what they're saying uh, in regards to evolutionary biology, the body needs to come in contact with, with foreign bodies, whether it's peanuts, whether it's a virus or a bacteria, so that the body can strengthen itself. Which this idea of conflict, mm -hmm. we need conflict, is not something that's just them. I feel like that's something that a lot of biologists would agree that that's what growth comes from. Right. Without conflict, there can be no growth. Mm -hmm. And so uh, instead of, you know, instead of letting our kids get sick, you know, you know, did you get the chickpox, by the way? I did. Okay, so I, and you might have been with some of the last I remember kids. the oatmeal bath. Oh, I never. Whoa, that's yeah. fancy. What's like, that all about? I don't know. There's some type of some type of oatmeal, or oh. maybe my family was just weird. <laughs> no, this is like a thing. You uh -huh. you filled it. You nice warm bath. So good, and you're itchy, right? So uh -huh. there's nothing better. So you get a nice warm bath. They poured like this, literally like this oatmeal looking mix in there, and it was supposed to be like 
calming, and I'm I'm pretty sure it was medicine. It's like medicinal. Okay. I don't think like she just threw in like some Quaker dude Quaker oats. My parents put uh, tube socks on my hands and taped them to my wrist, so I couldn't scratch. That's cool. That's about you know, that's <laughs> very similar to what my parents. Jeez. Dude, I'm telling you, I'm surprised I survived. I am very much too. Um, but back to conflict resolution: the, the immune system, your diet. I mean, the fact that it's okay for a kid to eat something they're not used to. I mean, I mean, all the things I hated as a kid, I now enjoy eating. I never ate a salad until I was in college. Salads were gross. Okay, I'm the guy who, when I got my McDonald's burger, I would pick off those little onion flakes. Remember, have you ever, have you ever looked at a McDonald's burger? Oh, you think I get onions on my <laughs> McDonald's? Can you say no onions? Yeah, only say no onions because okay. onions are disgusting. You don't like onions at all? No. What about pickles? Love me some pickles. I love onions. They don't love me back. Don't love onions. You know what I do love me some is garlic. Don't love that either. Let me tell you a funny story. Uh, went to a Oakland A game. Classic. With some buddies, and I can smell the garlic fries. They're so strong there. In the parking they're, lot. I mean, they're strong everywhere, but yeah. they're very strong in Oakland. I think because they're so close to... To, to, to petroleum industry? No, to... San Francisco. No. Um, Hollister. Gilroy. 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 Garlic capital of the world. That's right. We should do a podcast there. Uh, back to my garlic story. Uh, we bought them. Uh, the three other guys all had one or two fries and realized this was too much for them. But I paid $14 for garlic fries. I slept on the couch for three days. It's They're so gross. Yeah. You can't get that off of you. No. It seeps into your No, pores. it's in your body. Yeah. Um, but I'm a better man for it. I don't think so. Oh, my gosh. I would. I do love me the garlic. I hate and the garlic onions. fries. It's my worst part about going to a ballpark. garlic bread? Uh, don't. Yeah. Garlic bread's okay. God, you compromised. <laughs> I want you to be a principled person. No, I can't. I actually do love me some garlic bread, but that's pretty, that's as far as it goes. So I've got a question for you. Uh, would you allow your daughters knowingly to start the day and they were going to be confronted with something that was going to be unpleasant and challenging? Would you be willing to let them have that experience knowing that they needed that for adulthood. Ugh, it's so hard. It's my biggest fear every time they go to school. Really? I, I hate the idea of thinking about my daughters in any type of pain. Well, not pain. Not struggle. What, struggle's pain? It can be. What do you do every morning, Mark? Well, I struggle. Before, I struggle. before the sun gets, well, goes up, what day. do you do? Yeah. I, that's different. That's self-inflicted. <laughs> okay. If, if it's self-inflicted, I'm okay with that. Okay. The, the world's struggle makes me sad for them because I feel like my job... Mm -hmm. This is the hard part. I also feel like my job is to remove any hardship from their life as much as I possibly can, which is not true. Right. And will make them spoiled brats. So I won't. But that's what I feel like I want to do in my heart is to mm -hmm. make them never feel sad. Wow. That I was know, really, right? really sweet and kind of kind of sad and pathetic. But I know it's wrong. <laughs> so the Olson family has a saying, and it's not our saying. I stole it from somebody. But Roots and Wings. The greatest gift a parent can give their child is roots and wings. And mama is really good at the roots, and papa is really good at the wings. And I've always looked forward to an opportunity for my girls, who are now adults, to experience something new and challenging. And, of course, they come home when they were little, and they're like, Mom, so-and-so so, tough. so did this, this, and this, this. And, and I'm listening. I'm like, okay, okay. 
And then I haven't said anything in 30, 40 minutes. And my wife goes, what do you think? I think she's going to go back to school and, and deal with it. It's so hard. <laughs> so tough. Do you think that maybe that's just because I don't want to – I just want to sit in my chair. I think that's it. You okay. just don't want to be involved. So it's selfish. Yeah, it's passive, selfish parenting. I'm, I'm the opposite of altruistic. Now, I mean, I, there, there are definitely things like my – and I don't know why. Maybe because this was just so not me. But my answer to everything for them is, why don't you just punch her in the face? That's beautiful. I know. It's so tough. Do you I, really say that? I know because my wife doesn't let me. Okay, because I think well, the yeah. I think the oldest will do it first. No, my youngest will. You're joking. Punch my oldest in the face if I let her. Okay. And she punches hard. Well, you know, there's something about the second one. Think, they come out a little spicy. I, I agree. You've met mine. I know. She's <laughs> a lot. But I, I don't know. I think that, you know, through all of the things... It, it really does help you to challenge. And I think if you read this book at 20, you're going to pick up on something very different than if you read it at 30 and then at 40. Would you have read this in your 20s? Definitely not. I don't think so. See, and I would have read this in college because this was the kind of stuff I did with my science degree, but I would have skipped over it in my 30s because I was too busy. Well, and I, I, that's why I feel like I like it now because mm -hmm. there's just so many things to even, not even outwardly express, which is one reason why I'm glad we have this because it gives me an avenue to do so, but just to inwardly be reminded that sometimes being hands-off doesn't mean you're being passive. Right. And one of the things that I, I really liked that they kept going on about is this idea that you can't push everything to level 10. You can't? No. That's what, what social media says I can. I know. And this is the problem. This is the problem with people who oversimplify things. Like, Anytime someone says something and one person gets blamed, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, well, you don't know how any yeah. of that works. It's that, ab it's that absolute idea. It is. But, I mean, it, we see it all the time. And regardless of what side you believe, because mm -hmm. this happens with every president, you know, they'll say, and, and I, can, I say it jokingly sometimes, but they'll say it, like, for real, like, wow, thanks a lot, Biden. <laughs> like, oh, you really think that's how geopolitics works? Yeah. Like, that he one gets, person just is in charge of everything. And he gets blamed for everything. Right, and that, it yeah. doesn't matter what side. And one thing I, I loved about this is they started talking about this idea of progress and, hey, we want to be the freest country in the world. Mm -hmm. So awesome. I love it. American ideals, yeah. super fun. We also want to be the country that has the most justice. Yeah. Well, you can't have everything. Okay, calm down, because you're going to make some people upset here. I just... I, of course, as you should. When it comes to all of these things that we want, we want to live in this utopian mm -hmm. society, which is never going to happen. Right. And when you start preaching the ideas that, oh, if we just got the justice for this and this and this, mm -hmm. and if you want that, that's a possibility. We can have that. Mm -hmm. But you better be willing to dial back some of your freedoms. Mm -hmm. And that's when people start getting upset, thinking, why can't I have everything? Well, just because you progress and just because mm -hmm. we're evolving and moving forward those two things are not in a relationship that's going to allow them to both be at the end. Because I think they make the reference about zero sum. Yes. Because you can't live in a society where everybody gets everything they want. They, yeah, they talk about this idea of having equality for everyone. Yeah. But then not, every, not everybody being poor. Right. Because somebody has to be poor. Right, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't care what scale you're on. I mean, I listen. America poor is pretty so good. rich. Is so rich. <laughs> pretty, I did I send you the article that still half five hundred million people 
still don't go poop in a toilet? No, but I, I believe it for yeah. sure. So listen, when our poor are asking for Venmo accounts, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I'm, as you're speaking, I remember reading that and how that's not knowledge that comes to young people hanging out with young people. That's where you need culture. That's where you need grandma and grandpa and your uncles and the, and the bigger brother to kind of give you some of those life lessons. Well, and, and again, it's it's the it's the compartmentalizing mm-hmm. of things where we say, "Hey, I don't want I don't want big regulation." Mm-hmm. Okay, well, how do you like having airplanes that never crash? Seldom. The most seldom. The statistics are insane. Right. I've seen a lot of movies where the planes crash, though. Yeah, those two movies are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but this idea it works this way because we have allowed for so much regulation on safety it mm-hmm. plane travel is the most annoying thing that there is it's so difficult to but do the safest but the safest way for you to travel and so mm-hmm. you can't have everything that you want if you want planes to be safe mm-hmm. and never to crash then we have to have all of the loading times and mm-hmm. the security and all of these things to get checked and the prices and all of the stuff mm-hmm. and he, he talks about it and not just talking about that industry but just in general climate change as well mm-hmm. that maybe you just shouldn't bring up just the word climate change mm-hmm. because you know what that's going to do to people it's a divider automatic divider but if you talk about it we're actually much more united than we are separate yes. and this argument's been going on since the polarization of politics right mm-hmm. we most people live pretty close to each other politically there may be one or two issues that divide people right but if you really talked about what the actual issue is mm-hmm. but that's just not how we register red or blue you have to be all one or all the other when it goes back to that tribe it's, it's easier to identify who's in your tribe so if i can identify you as red or blue or left or right or dodgers or giants then I can make a really quick decision, and I can I can save time, I can save emotion, I can save energy, I might even save my life, right? By by putting you in an unsafe camp, you know. For example, I I've been a white guy most of my life, right? Most of your life. <laughs> and there are just some parts of town where it wouldn't be safe for me to be, right? And so the 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 wrong thinking is everybody in that neighborhood must be bad. That's that's such a stupid idea, right? Right. But it's what your brain does. Okay, that place over there might be safe. Next step, because everybody that lives over there is bad. Well, we also don't even have varying degrees because that takes way too much time and effort in our brain. We mm-hmm. automatically go black, white, mm-hmm. one or the other. So you're either right or you're wrong. Right. We Not varying degrees because that would make politics way too more uniting than anything else. Well, and again, we are part of a natural world. And I know that there are some people who are very uncomfortable with the idea of, of, of evolution. But evolution is really just the matter of change. Every critter, bacteria, plant, squirrel, human, whatever, on a biological level is always competing against critters in the same species and critter, critters from other species um, to maximize resources. Right, and so on a natural level, take take the human out of it. On a natural level, is this going to get me more food, good or bad? Is this going to get me a mate, 
good or bad. And quickly, right? Quickly, These, these yeah. decisions are happening so fast. And that makes sense in a non-moral, non-human experience. But it's, it's not a gradual split between humans and the natural world. I mean, we are a completely different group of organisms. Yeah, we've organisms. moved very far from that. And so, you know, being the nuances of good, just because it's safe doesn't mean it's good. Right. And, and, that, just, and they say this a couple times in the book, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. Which and, is one of my favorite quotes. Oh, really? Outside of this. I always okay. say that. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. See, and that, that, that obviously came from a older, yeah. experienced person. Uh, and that's what I loved about, they went through it. And I never heard judgment in this book. They were no, I wouldn't. This 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 book is not a. It's not designed for one side. No, and if you if you came in thinking they were going to affirm you, um, you would be mistaken. Yeah, because there were a couple things in here that I disagree with, but man, they made a solid argument, and now I'm a little bit more open. To, to, to that discussion which is what which is what we want in an evolutionary field anyway mm -hmm. is for us to analyze the things that we're seeing look back at the things that were done mm -hmm. look forward to the things that are possibly coming and figure out how to manage those waters i love it and it was uh, super fun i thought it was yeah. a good read it is it is a solid read i'm i'm for the first time ever i am tempted to actually listen to this book Ooh. because uh after hearing them both speak um, I, I would like to hear them say it in their words. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a book that is, I think, eight hours to read. Oh, I take it back. I don't want to do that. Uh, and I can't remember how long it is. Well, how many pages is it? Because I feel like that's a thing for people. 300 and something. Now, by the way, at my age... Eight hours and 17 minutes. I just looked at uh, it. I am. I'm, I'm starting to think it might be time for me to buy... The Readers? The, Little Cheaters? A uh, large font book. Ooh. Because uh, my eyes are going. Well, you can just, you know, not have that conversation mm -hmm. if you just listen. Let me ask you this. Um, would you like to have a beer with these guys? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Would you follow them into the jungle? No. Because that's the other cool thing about this book is that as evolutionary biologists, they take kids. They're in the field. And did, I love this, this, the interview process where they said, listen, we've had incredibly academic kids. We had kids from wealthy families. Um, but when we looked at the team we wanted to take into the jungle, um, we, we took people who had less experience and less academics because they were going to be better in the field. I mean, remember their rule? I don't I don't know. It was nobody comes home in a box. It's a good rule. That's <laughs> a great rule, but also if that's the rule uh -huh. that I'm going into the jungle with, yeah. I need to make sure my team's legit. But it's a rule, you, so you can't. Right. Yeah, because they're, they're talking about people like falling into rivers and yeah. getting no, that they're, they're, they're by in bugs. It. They're, I, I just imagined Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Just making his way through the the forest. You you do know that I went into college as a bio major, right? And uh, quickly left. I was told I was going to have to take an entomology class, a uh, class on bugs, and I was going to have to find 175 different species of bugs, capture them, kill them, and then pin, pin them, them in some. So I mean, I don't mind stepping on a bug, uh, but I don't want to capture the bug. And so I quickly changed my major to chemistry. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh -uh. It changed you for the better. It did. Well, well, I think it was a good book. I mean, I, I don't want to do this. Like, we're not going to rate it and do all those types of things, but it's, oh, it's good. 
I have a whole synopsis. Oh, well, what would you rate it out of 10, sir? Well, it depends on what we're talking about. No, I'm just joking. It was a good book. Definitely wouldn't recommend it to everybody. But if you want... Gonna nerd out. If you want some perspective on how to slow down in a in a crazy world, yeah, that's or good. If, if you feel like something's missing, uh, it's a good book. Yeah. Um, speaking of missing, uh, I I've missed me some wisdom. Well, I got some for you here Drop from it. the author himself, Brett Weinstein. He says the boundaries of the evolutionary environment do not stop at the market's edge. I'm. I'm can you hear the 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 brain's blowing up right now. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, there's just we that's where we live. Mm-hmm. We live at the market's edge mm-hmm. constantly. We are we only expect what the market allows us to expect. Mm-hmm. And that's what we look forward to so much more right. in terms of how much we can grow. Because if it's not on Amazon, I must not need it. Right. Or it must not exist. Yes, which we know is not the case. Right. It does exist. It's just off the coast. <laughs> Circling around in a boat, right. wasting so let much it, fuel. Let it go. So much fuel. <laughs> we might have to revisit shipping. I guess. All right, well, man. Well, hey, I don't know if I'll see you before Christmas. I hope I do. Yeah, I think we will. But uh, I don't know. Do, do you celebrate Christmas? I, that a, I do. Is that okay? Celebrate winter. Winter? Winter, winter solstice. solstice. Okay. Yeah, I'm a solstice guy. All right, man. Can't wait to see you again. All right. To all our people, thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you have a great holiday season. Follow us on Instagram at The Common Counterpart, and we will see you soon. See you.